Today's episode of Find Your Dream Job is brought to you by Sneaker School. It's an online certificate program from the Fashion Institute of Technology and Complex Media. Sneaker School lets you explore career paths in the footwear industry. And students get first-hand advice from some of the biggest names in the business. To learn more about Sneaker School, visit sneakerschool.com slash Mac. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps professionals find fulfilling careers. I believe that lifelong learning is the key to a successful career. And to get a better job, you need to learn the job hunting skills that will help you find the role of your dreams. That's why we're here today. Every week on Find Your Dream Job, I interview a different career expert. We discuss the tools and tactics you need to find the work you want. This week, I'm talking to Lisa Edwards about passive versus active job search strategies. Lisa Edwards is an expert in career management and job search. And she coaches her clients to be as strategic as possible when looking for work. Lisa says, as you plan your job search, it's important to understand the difference between passive strategies, like replying to job board listings, and active strategies, like an informational interview with a targeted employer. You need to do both, says Lisa. And the amount of time you invest in each approach depends on where you are in your career. Want to learn more? Listen in now at the Maxless Studio as I interview Lisa Edwards about how to make the most of both passive and active job search strategies. Lisa Edwards is the CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. She's an expert in career management and job search. She also hosts the weekly podcast, The Exclusive Career Coach. Previously, Lisa was director of university career centers in Georgia and Missouri, and she has a master's in public administration from Columbus State University and a bachelor's in music education from Florida State University. She joins us today from Tallahassee, Florida. Lisa, thanks for being on the show. I'm thrilled to be here, Mac. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. Now, our, our topic this week are passive versus active job search strategies. You wrote um, an article about this and actually did a podcast episode that I found very intriguing because I'd never heard anybody talk about uh, job search strategies in this way. Um, let's talk. start, Lisa, by defining the two groups of strategies. What do you mean when you talk about uh, passive job search? Sure. So I think of it as if you're in a vehicle and if you're in a passive job search strategy, you're in the dri- you're in the passenger seat. You're not in the driver's seat. So you're moving and you are making progress, but you don't really control where the vehicle goes. You don't control when it leaves or when it arrives or where it stops along the way. So you really are just a passenger in the process. And what are examples of passive job search strategies? Most of them work around the job boards. 
So, and this is what most people know how to do in terms of job search. And it's really, for most people, that's all they know how to do. So, if you think of going on to Indeed.com or LinkedIn's job board or Monster or Career Builder or going to company websites. So, if you've identified a few companies that you like and you want to check out their their online postings on a regular basis. Those are all kind of passive strategies. Anytime where you're really looking at whether it's online classifieds, Facebook ads, um, any kind of job ad that's just posted somewhere, you really have no control over that. You have no control over when the job is posted, what they're looking for. Um, You know, you're just going to apply. It's a very passive strategy. Now, you're not telling people not to use these strategies, you, but it's important to recognize that they can only take you so far. Is, is that right, Lisa? Exactly. When I work with my clients on developing their job search strategy, we create a mixture of these active strategies that we're going to talk about in a minute and these passive strategies that I just spoke of. And what I kind of the, the, um, the, amount of time that I want you to spend on active versus passive is going to vary depending on where you at are at in your job search. So when you're an entry level person, you know, maybe you're still in your 20s, I would like you to spend about 25% of your time on active strategies and 75% on on passive strategies. If you can make it to 50-50, that'd be fantastic. But I really want, even when you're right at a college, I want those active strategies to become part of your vocabulary, part of your, you know, your muscle movement. And then when you become more kind of mid-career then it really should be 75% active, 25% passive. And when you get to those top levels, and I've worked with a lot of CEOs, CFOs, vice presidents in my career, really it's going to be all active. Virtually nothing is going to be passive. Okay, I want to talk more about that mix uh, depending on where someone is at, in their career. But let's step back and revisit active job search strategies. Tell us about these. What are they? So to use that analogy again, the active strategies put you in the driver's seat. So you determine when the vehicle leaves, how fast it goes, where does it stop along the way, when does it arrive at its destination. You have so much more control over that vehicle. And the the active strategies all really center around networking. And that's a term that most people are familiar with on some level, but I find that very few people have a, a very strong active networking strategy. They, they sort of know how to do it. They kind of get it, but not really. So whether we're talking face-to-face, setting up meetings with people, having conversations. And when I say face-to-face, I could, that could be over the phone. It could be a Zoom call, but it could also be sitting in a coffee shop with someone. It can also be things like career fairs, um, it, LinkedIn networking. So I always separate out LinkedIn. There's two pieces. There's looking at jobs on LinkedIn, which is passive, and then building and cultivating your network and reaching out to people about opportunities um, with your network. And that's an active strategy. Things like going to professional association events. So whether it's your own professional association or it could be something like a Chamber of Commerce meeting. I always send my clients to SHRM meetings, which stands for Society for Human Resource Management. I don't care what field they're in. If they can get into a room that's filled with the human resource people in their community, that's a, that's a plus. So I want them to go to SHRM meetings. Um, so Rotary, Kiwanis, those are all professional association meetings that can be a great networking venue. 
Um, so those are some ideas of some of those active strategies. I love your suggestion about going to SHRM meetings because I'm sure you hear this too. So many job seekers tell me, if only I could get in front of the hiring manager, I could make a <laughs> connection. And and I, they're right. I, I think when you do have FaceTime or you uh, have some relationship with the hiring manager, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. And if you go to SHRM, at least all of the meetings I've gone, and I have in the past been an active member of SHRM. I'm not right now, although I'm, I'm considering that strongly for 2019. Typically, when a guest comes with someone, they have the opportunity to stand up and introduce themselves. And certainly, if they were in a job search, they would say to the room, I'm looking for an entry-level position in whatever. Um, I've even been to meetings where they've had the opportunity to leave their resume at all of the tables in the room. So there's all kinds of opportunities around SHRM, and it's not all that different from other kinds of networking meetings that you can go to. If you get a chance to stand up and introduce yourself as a guest, say at a Rotary meeting, you better be saying, hey, I'm currently job searching for a position in, if you're able to, to share that with the world. If you're being a little bit more covert about it, you have to take a little bit of a different strategy, but you're still in a room full of potential hirers. And when you were describing the different active job search strategies, except for uh, uh, connecting with people or communicating with people rather on LinkedIn, most of those strategies involve stepping away from the computer, don't they? Yes. And the idea with the LinkedIn networking is that that's where it's going to go. It may, again, not be face-to-face in the sense that you're sitting across a table from someone, but ideally that's going to lead to a telephone call, a Zoom call, course, geography is going to play a part here, but the idea is that you are making quote-unquote face-to-face connections with these people. And one of the things that I teach my clients is a very, I call it a bow and arrow approach to networking as opposed to a, a Tommy gun approach. So rather than just sort of spraying everybody with your resume and spraying everybody saying, I'm looking for a job, if you think of something, let me know. I teach my clients how to be very strategic. They do their homework ahead of time. So when they show up in that coffee shop with that networking contact, they've already looked on that person's LinkedIn profile and figured out who is the person they want to be introduced to based on who their networking contact is connected to. So they're asking for a very specific request in that meeting. And then that gives that that networking person, something very specific that they can do to help that person. And also, if you're the networking, you're, you're the person who just made that request, you've got something you can follow up with. It's kind of hard to follow up with someone when you've said, hey, if you think of anything, let me know. It's much better to follow up and say, hey, remember I was, you were going to introduce me to Susie Smith at ABC Company. I look forward to that introduction. Why do you? Uh, why aren't you a fan of the Tommy Gun approach, uh, uh, <laughs> Lisa? Because so many people, I think, uh, do follow that strategy. They think, okay, it's a numbers game. Uh, if I can send out X number of resumes this week uh, and go to X number of events, eventually uh, uh, the odds will favor me, and I'll find a position. Well, do you agree or disagree with that? <laughs> Well, if we want to keep with the Tommy Gunn um, analogy that I I like to use, I think there's a little bit more possibility for casualties with Tommy Gunn approach. Some people call it spray and pray too. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very messy. So I like for my clients to begin with the end in mind. They know the companies they want to go to work for. 
they've they've done their homework around those companies that provide them and that they can provide. It, you know, it's a perfect fit. They know exactly where they want to work. And they work backward from that to find the people in their current network that can help get them to the decision maker in those companies. So you see, when you take that approach, you're being very strategic and you're just pulling that uh, bow back when you get the right person in front of you and you're just shooting one arrow and you're being very deliberate about that. So I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the Tommy Gunn approach, but for me, I'd much rather concentrate my energy in a much more strategic fashion. It probably takes a lot less time in the end too, doesn't it? Do you see that with your clients? I think it, yeah, I think absolutely because you're being so much more deliberate about it and you've got this all mapped out, um, literally mapped out on paper. So you know how you're trying to get to that decision maker and it's much cleaner and neater. Okay. Well, again, we touched on this at the start of the interview. There, there isn't a, there's nothing wrong with passive job search strategies versus uh, active ones. It's all about how you divide up your time, isn't it, Lisa? Absolutely. So when I think of those of you listening who might be just out of college or you've been out of college for just a few years, you, A, First of all, a lot of the jobs that are posted are more entry level. So there's the more availability of positions for you online than there are as you move up. So that's one thing to consider. Second of all, you haven't developed as probably haven't developed as robust of a network as you will later on. So I want you to begin to use those muscles from the first job you apply for, ideally before you graduate college. I want you to use those networking muscles for getting internships and part-time jobs. But certainly as you start your career, I want you to begin to flex that muscle because here's the deal. If you don't use those muscles and you completely rely on the job boards, when you're 22, that may be effective and it'll work. You're going to get down the road in a few years and you're going to find that it's completely ineffective and you're stymied as to what your options are. So I want you to start building that networking muscle and it will serve you for the rest of your career. Okay, let's pause there for a moment, Lisa. I want to take a break and return to this and talk not only about uh, what else college students and new graduates should do, but also what people uh, who are mid-career and further along in their career should do when considering how to de, uh, pursue passive versus active job search strategies. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Find Your Dream Job comes to you from the Maxless Studios in Portland, Oregon. Portland is also the home to some of the biggest athletic shoe companies in the world. Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour, they all have offices here. And lots of people dream of working for these famous brands. But the sneaker world is fiercely competitive. Having insider knowledge, however, can help you get your foot in the door. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Sneaker School. It's an online certificate program from the Fashion Institute of Technology and Complex Media. Sneaker School lets you explore career paths in the shoe industry. The site includes more than 45 on-demand video lessons that feature some of the biggest names in footwear. And you get to learn practical skills through self-paced projects and simulations. Check out Sneaker School for yourself. Go to sneakerschool.com slash Mac. Again, that's sneakerschool.com slash Mac. Now, let's get back to the show. 
we're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking today with Lisa Edwards. She's the CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. Lisa also hosts the weekly podcast, The Exclusive Career Coach, and she joins us today from Tallahassee, Florida. Now, Lisa, before the break, we were talking about passive versus active job search strategies, and you were taking us through an example of uh, how a new graduate or college student might divide up their time between the two sets of strategies. What else would you like to add about uh, someone like that? One of the other concepts that I teach my clients, and this really applies to any level that you're at in your career, is what I call the plus one approach. And this has to do specifically with those passive strategies. So we've all heard about the hidden job market. Well, it's a thing and it does exist. And depending on which resource you look at, could be as many as 85% of all jobs are in the hidden job market. It's really the unadvertised job market. But those are positions that for a number of reasons are not posted on any kind of site that you're going to find. And so the way to access those positions is through the hidden job market or is through is through networking. The other thing that I like to do when you are applying to those jobs that are online, so let's just assume that all of all positions that are available, we're only going to see 25% of them. We're also looking at the positions with the most competition because the entire world can see those jobs if they're posted online. The plus one approach gives you kind of that leg up. So the idea here is to get creative. And if you're going to apply online, what is one extra step that you can take that most of the other candidates won't take that will make you stand out. So is there someone you can call to put in a good word for you? Is there some connection that you can leverage that will help you to get noticed? I always, when I think about this, I always think about the coordinator that I hired back when I was in higher education and she was uh, not at all what I thought I would be looking for based on the job description I had posted Um, She had 25 years of experience. Here, I thought it was an entry-level position because we didn't pay very much. She had 25 years of experience in in the airline industry as a flight attendant and a flight attendant instructor. But I started getting these calls from leaders in our community to tell me that she is someone that, that I should take a look at. And lo and behold, I ended up hiring her and she was there when I left. So that's just one example of that plus one approach in action. How can you Make yourself stand out. Now, here's the two benefits to doing that. Not only is it going to increase the likelihood that you're going to get a few extra seconds of view time on your resume, which is critical when you consider they're only looking at your resume for 5 to 13 seconds, somewhere in there, depending on which expert you you look at. The other thing I think that's great about the plus one approach is it serves as an acid test because if you're looking at a job announcement and you're thinking that lady on that podcast told me I had to do one more thing. I don't want to. It seems like a bother that I think that that's your clue that you're not all that interested in that position. Or maybe you just don't think you really have a shot at that job. So I'd rather you take that amount of time that you would have spent filling out that job application because let's face it, they're a pain in the butt. And then put that time into an active strategy or applying to another job that you really are excited about. I want to talk more about the split between passive versus active strategies, depending on where you are in your career. But I'm, I love this idea of the plus one approach. What other tips would you have for job seekers who have just hit send on that online application? And they are excited. They they want to do something. Um 
besides doing what you're, the example you cited of someone who was able to get uh, uh, people to generate calls or make calls rather on her behalf to an employer, what else have you seen your clients or others do to, to help move that online application uh, forward? Well, I will tell you about one of my favorite secrets to tell people, and that is what I like to call professional stalking. <laughs> now, the key with professional stalking is you must never tell the person you're stalking that you're stalking them because then the police get involved. But my point is that it, it is very easy to see when you're thinking about decision makers at companies and you know people who are in a hiring position People's lives are on social media, and it's not that hard to figure out where someone's going to be at a given time. You know, are they active in Rotary? Okay, which one, and when does it meet? Are they active in the chamber? When's the next meeting? Are they a member of SHRM? And you show up at a place where they are likely to be and get in front of them. Of course, you never say, hey, I looked you up and figured out you were going to be here. So here I am. Hi. But it can be a way to quote unquote bump into someone and have that FaceTime. So I kind of think of that as a last resort because it's it's a little bit, uh, it can be a little complicated to make it happen, but it can absolutely happen. And if you're having, if there's a company that you really want to be in, you really love, and you're having trouble getting in front of somebody, you're having trouble getting noticed, think about how can I take that professional stalking approach and show up somewhere where they're going to be. The example I always use is I talk a lot in my social media posts about a particular coffee shop in Tallahassee that I work in. I don't, I'm not employed there. I work there on Wednesday mornings and work there with another colleague of mine. And so if you wanted to meet me and you were really sharp, you'd show up at that coffee shop on a Wednesday morning and go, oh my gosh, there you are. Hi, how are you doing? So that's one of my favorite approaches. Yeah, Another way I've seen people do that is they know the company where they want to work and they find people from that organization who are serving on the professional boards of uh, you know, the local chapter, or rather the board of the local professional association that represents that industry or or they find, or they know that those folks go to the events sponsored by that chapter, and they make a point of going there, and they just don't wait to be approached. They they go with an ask in mind, and, and they know they want to meet that person. And at a professional mixer, it's, it's it feels a lot more natural to do that than perhaps uh, going to the coffee shop. But I I think both <laughs> strategies could work. They both can absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know. As you know, Lisa, at MaxList, we run a job board uh, here in the Pacific Northwest that serves people in Washington and Oregon, and we're very proud of the value we offer, And but we're also big believers in the hidden job market, and uh, it, it does exist, and we find that the people who get the jobs they, they truly enjoy do step away from the computer. They don't spend 100% of their time on job boards like ours. Any other tips for people who... Uh, once again, who've sent off that application to uh, a, uh, via a job board listing or, or just in general to, to make these active job search strategies work for them? Yeah, I think um, one thing I want to say about the passive search real quick is that I used to tell folks if you had 50% of what they were looking for that you had a shot at the job and you might as well send in your 
your resume and your application. I don't say that anymore. I really think you need to pretty much have everything on there. And you want to make sure that it's very explicit that you have the things they're looking for. I always tell people, take 15 minutes, look at that job description, and make sure those keywords as appropriate for you are contained in your documents so that you're going to show up in a, a search that you're a, a qualified candidate. So here's my best tip for networking. And this really has to do with that 30 minute coffee meeting. So we've got a face-to-face meeting and this is specifically with someone you know. So I always want you to start your networking as we talked about it kind of being a, a, a yellow brick road to get to the decision maker. I want it to start with someone that you know. And so this is a colleague or a former boss or something like that. You're having that face-to-face meeting and let's say you've got 30 minutes of time. I want the first 20 minutes of that time to be about the other person. This is a beautiful thing because you don't want to be a barnacle in this process. You don't want to be a networking barnacle. You want to give as much as you get. So if you make 20 minutes about you, you're going to still have time to say, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm really interested in ABC company and I see that you're connected to Susie Smith. Would you be willing to make an introduction? So that's going to happen and they're going to fall over themselves to be helpful to you because you've just spent 20 minutes listening to what's going on in their world. You might have a suggestion for a resource, a vendor, a best practice. Uh, Maybe there's a person they need to hire and you know the perfect person. If you just listen about what's going on in their personal or their professional world, you're going to be able to provide value and it's not all going to be about you. So, so 30 minutes, make 20 about them, 10 about you and have a very specific ask. Now they may come up with something else. They may say, Oh, I also know so-and-so. And of course you're going to jump on board with that, but you're going to go into that meeting with a specific ask in mind. Okay. You talked uh, earlier in the interview about the, the, the split of time that people should spend on passive versus active job search strategies. How do you recommend, uh, Lisa, listeners track their work during a, a typical week? How, how can they uh, make sure that they're not only hitting the right split, but uh, keeping track of their progress? Sure. And, and the, the, the key to me is the calendar. And so whether you are working a full-time job and, and still also looking for another position or you are not employed, and your full-time job is looking for a job, I want you to calendar things. So for example, when I'm working with my clients on their networking strategy, I want them to plug in and say, okay, I want to do coffee meetings on you know Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that it's actually going to shake out that way. You know, the coffee meeting may be on Saturday or it may be instead of a coffee meeting, it may be drinks after work. But the idea is you put a slot in your calendar and you've set a goal and then you're going to work a week or two ahead of time to make sure that all of those networking slots. So I've got one lunch this week. I've got two coffee dates, whatever the combo is, depending on how much time you can spend on your job search, you've got slots allotted for that. And then when it comes to things like looking at job boards, I always tell people, look at 10 o'clock at night can't be networking. You sure don't want to be drinking coffee at a coffee shop if you can find one open at at any rate at 10 o'clock at night. So that's a good time to check the job boards. I also suggest all of the job boards are going to let you um, set up what are called job agents where the jobs are coming into your inbox that fit your criteria. You can set several of those with each company. So Indeed and with LinkedIn. and, And I don't know if 
if yours is set up the same way, but for those, those major national ones, you can do that. And then just check your phone when you're stuck in traffic somewhere or waiting in line for lunch and see if anything comes up. So that's kind of dead time that you can put to good use. And then if there's nothing that day that applies to you, then you're done. And if there is something, then you can just make a mental note. And then at 10 o'clock that night, you can do the application process. Well, the organizer in me is, is uh, uh, really likes that approach because you've said <laughs> a framework and limits for the day. It's not an infinite amount of work. It, it seems manageable. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I would say, it, oftentimes when I talk to folks about giving themselves rewards for executing their job search strategy, they immediately want to jump to, I'm going to give myself a big reward when I get the job. I'm going to do this big thing. And I point out to them that the job is the reward. That's that's great. You are being rewarded because you got a job. I want you to give yourself small rewards on a daily or at minimum a weekly basis. So I checked off everything on my, my list today. I got my calendar, all my calendar items done. And I'm going to go, you know, walk the dog or I'm going to go do yoga or I'm going to go go hang out with friends, whatever it is. But reward yourself along the way, because I promise you, if you meet your daily and your weekly goals, you will have a job sooner rather than later. Okay. Well, Lisa, tell us what's next for you. Oh, so much going on. I have, um, by the time this comes out, I will have a brand new website that I am extremely excited about. Um, as, um, as I think you and I have talked about, I changed my target market to serve the 32-year-old high-achieving college graduates last year. And so lots of things in place to help them um, with everything they need. Um, I ran two college career centers for 22 years, so I know what they are and what they aren't getting from their college career centers and I know where their heads are at when they're in their 20s and they're just trying to figure out this career piece. And I absolutely love working with them. So I'm developing some programs uh, to help them and uh, couldn't be more excited about it. Great. Well, I look forward to seeing your new website. I know it's coming out very soon and it will be available when the show airs. People can yes. learn more about you and... Find that website at exclusivecareercoaching.com, and we'll include that in the show notes as well. Lisa, thanks for being on our show today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So many job seekers share with me how powerless they may feel when they're looking for work, and what I like about Lisa's advice is she gave a clear description of the strategies that are available and the, and how best to organize your time to make the most of those two sets of strategies, both passive and active. There's no wrong strategy. It's just how are you going to spend your time so that you can get your next job faster and easier. And at the heart of Lisa's advice is intention, being clear about what you want. And if you're not clear about the job that you want, that's okay. You just need to do some work. And we've got a new guide at MaxList that can help. It's called Finding Focus in Your Job Search. It lays out a simple process for self-assessment. doesn't take very long to complete. And it will help you get clear about your job search goal. Get your free copy today. Go to maxlist.org slash focus. 
Again, that resource is called Finding Focus in Your Job Search, and you can get it for free. Go to maxlist.org slash focus. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. Join us next Wednesday. Our guest expert will be Fiona Martin. She'll explain how to apply for a job when you're overqualified. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. <laughs>